This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is April 3rd, 2023. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. Hi, it's Patty Kreiser. I was at Hofstra Radio from 2007 to 2010. Okay. And what shows or programs did you work on? I was with Newsline and I was the producer of Uncharted Territory for a couple of years. Okay. Did you ever work on any of the weekend shows or community service programs? No, I actually held two other jobs during college. So weekends were meant for my other jobs. <laughs> understood. Understood. I'm sure we could talk about that. Did you have any titles or positions at the station? Yes, I was on the administrative board uh, just since I was a producer of one of the music shows. So I got to attend those AB meetings. Okay. Um, when you were on the air, did you use any nicknames or aliases? No, I wasn't cool enough for that. I was just Patty K because Patty Kreiser just sounded a little too much. Although on Newsline, I was Patty Kreiser, but okay. music wise, I was just Patty K. Okay. That's, that's not bad. Some people would work really hard to come up with something that good. So let's go to the beginning and find out how you made it to Hofstra Radio, what brought you there in the first place. And if you could describe like what the station looked like, maybe some of the people you met, what was going on at the station when you first got there? So my journey into radio was a little interesting. I met a boy who was a film major and was graduating film and he loved sound. So he got me introduced to just the magic of sound. So I decided to apply for Hofstra Radio. Thank God we broke up, but uh, (laughs) radio stayed with me just for sound. And I got into some music mixing. And uh, after Hofstra, I uh, took a course and got certified in Pro Tools, the audio editing software. Um, And I just liked the sound and production part of Hofstra radio. Uh, The studio was pretty much probably what you see now. We loved to hang out in the uh, station itself, just at that big round table. And it was pretty much our our central hub for our friend group. I don't think I had many friends outside of the radio station, Uh, but I did have a cubby as an AD. So I would actually, I would keep lunch in there. I don't know anybody else who would keep peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in a cubby in college, but I did. Whatever it takes to get by, I'm sure. Yes. So when you said the big round table, for those of us who weren't there at the same time, what does that mean? Where was that in the station? I was right in our main office. It's in the central of the office, and it has it's just a big kitchen island table without being in a kitchen. Um, if I remember right, it had a few power cords, but I could be wrong. And just the sitting at the high stools and sometimes just doing nothing but talking was our, our main thing just in that, in that office, in the center office, right outside Bruce and John's office. I mean, there would be other times that we just go into John Mullen's office and do nothing but annoy him throughout the whole day. Mm. That was probably one of our other favorite places to be. Okay. I'm giving you a picture of what the environment was like, but let's go back a little bit. Did you plan on majoring in communications? What was your goal at Hofstra? And did you know about the radio station before you found out about? I went into Hofstra wanting to be a journalism major. So uh, I had a a goal. Um, 
And then I wound up working one of my one of my uh, student jobs was working in the School of Communications in uh, the dean's office. So I was, you know, clerical for uh, Sybil Delgadio and uh, Cliff Jernigan and Mark Oppenheim. I was kind of just the errand runner and some clerical stuff. And so I would see WRHU stuff come up and I eventually got interested too. And that um, Sybil Delgadio, the Dean uh, gave me a nice little reference for Hofstra radio. Just uh, she just picked up the phone and said, Hey, take this one to your training class. Wow. That's, that's nice. That's a, that's a nice entrance into the, into the station. (laughs) Yes. It was, it was quite easy to get in. Now, a lot of people talk about doing an interview. Did you have to do that or was the reference enough? I think about my interview was about five minutes long. What music format do you like? And okay, we'll talk to you soon. That's really all I remember. Some of it was just such a blur because I was excited to just start. Um, Do you remember who was in the interview? Was it just Bruce or John? It was John Mullen and, oh my goodness, I can't remember his name. Uh, Scott something, but uh, I really don't remember much. It was such a blur. I was excited, but just like, also get me out of this interview because I'm uncomfortable because I'm I was not prepared, even though there wasn't too much to prepare for. It was just I was a very nervous person. Understood. Understood. I mean, it, it's not something that you knew much about, and here you have this interview and. Uh, I can imagine being nervous about that. But you got through the interview, and they took you into the training class. What do you remember about that? Um, the icebreaker. Uh, uh, Kathleen Reddington was the station manager, manager um, and she had everyone go around and say an interesting fact about themselves. And one guy started talking in a Russian accent and then goes, the fun fact about me is I don't speak Russian. Uh, and mine was, I knew all the words to an AT&T commercial called IDK, my BFF Jill. And those are my biggest memories of the training class was just that icebreaker because people just said random stuff and I could recite a whole commercial. And that was my fun fact. How funny that was. Um, do you remember other people who were in the training class? Uh, Yes, there was uh, a girl named Lisa. Uh, she unfortunately passed away a couple years ago, uh, but mm. she was a PR major and did a lot for the station. She worked a lot behind the scenes doing PR. There was a girl named Heather who I went to a couple concerts with uh, saying that we were music reporters and got free tickets. So we had some fun going to see shows. A few other memorable people, but the names elude me now. Hmm. Sometimes they come back as we go through the process. Yeah. But um, So you go through this extra course. You've already got a full course load and you're working two other jobs. Did it seem like this was this was a lot to take on or were you still just excited for the, for the challenge? I was excited. I was ready. I was also 19. So I had all the energy in the world. This was just like, okay, I'm doing this too. There, w- there was no think. It was just do. So you get through the class, and I guess there's a there's a test. Is there a, is there an audition to be on the air? What goes into getting cleared? Yeah. So the test um, was, I was a good test taker. So I, I 
did well. I passed the test, obviously, but uh, the on-air was a little rough for me. Um, my voice tightened up really fast because I wasn't used to, you know, being behind a mic. Uh, so Ed Ingalls just took me aside for a minute and said, breathe, come out in like four minutes, five minutes, and we're doing this again. And he wouldn't let it go until I could say things without my voice tightening up or me overly breathing and hyperventilating. So somebody just saying, breathe, it's okay, was very, was very good for this person who just went behind a microphone and didn't know what to do. Hmm. Hmm. I've heard so many wonderful stories about Ed Ingalls and what a calming presence and, and what a, what a great mentor he was. Did you know much, did you know much about Ed at that time or was he just someone that was at the station and, and was a, was a kind presence? I didn't know much at first, but then, um, I was a commuter. So I went home to my mom and I said, Ed Ingalls is our professional in residence. And she said, I know him. And she, she's like, Ed Ingalls. She apparently knew of him and was telling me his radio uh, broadcasting heyday. And I was like, wow, my mom knows somebody that's going to be mentoring me. It was pretty cool because my mom barely even knows who Taylor Swift is. So her knowing <laughs> who Ed Ingalls was, was just like, oh, wow, I'm doing something pretty fancy here. That that is pretty impressive, and that's a nice uh, it's a nice connection to make. So so he gave you the reassurance and gave you a little bit of time to, like you said, take a breath, and you got through the test. So uh, that's pretty impressive. Now, do you remember getting on the air the first time, or at least your, or was that the first time that you got on the air? Or was that more in the studio? Um, oh, I don't even remember my first time being live on the air. I think it was doing the Jazz Cafe, mm -hmm. and I think I spoke as little as possible. Just, I couldn't, I was very focused on, okay, I have to press this button and this button, but I have to talk too. How about I just minimize my talking and work on the buttons? And I know people would have been there to, to make sure it was going right, but I, I was very convinced I had to do it on my own. So, but I couldn't even remember much more than that. So, so you're a little, you're a little nervous getting into the first time, but, but it seemed like you had a little bit of training and a little bit of good advice from, from Ed and others and, and you got through it. Yeah. So that's, that's a pretty great experience. And, you know, and by the end I was doing engineering for Newsline. I also was, um, doing audio editing on Pro Tools software by the end, which John Mullen used to say, it's like using an atom bomb to kill an ant, meaning that it was just overly complicated. But it's something I decided to get a certification in after RHU, just hoping it would lead some doors otherwhere. But then I blew out the hearing in class. I blew out some hearing in my left ear during the uh, Pro Tools class. Oh my goodness. Yes. Uh, do you mind elaborating on that a little bit? Oh, sure. It's how to ruin your career 101. Um, so when you're mixing music, you know, there's inputs and outputs and they always say, have your, don't have your earphones on your ears when you're doing this. I had one earphone on and one earphone off. I put the wrong input to the wrong outfit, 
output and experienced the most painful noise to my left ear. Um, I can still hear, it's fine, but I'm my music mixing abilities and ability to hear lower tones is uh, shot. <laughs> so oh. had to find a plan B. Oh my goodness, that's... Uh... <laughs> Oh, I just don't know what to say. I'm, I'm, my heart's breaking for you yeah, here. We can laugh and, and... about it now. Oh, oh gosh. Um, and you were so interested in the audio part. That's one of the reasons that you came to the station. And obviously, it's something that uh, interested you if you went up to that challenge. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, I feel so bad. All, all okay now. I left okay. the broadcast field. I left audio and radio and went into insurance. So totally pivoted. It, it seems like a much more stable field. Yes. Yes. Much more stable. So let's get back to uh, your course of study was journalism, I think you said. so, And yeah. you talked about doing Newsline. Do you remember getting involved in that program? Yeah. Um, I started doing traffic and weather. I didn't have much want to do Newsline. It wasn't a priority for me. But I got roped in or dragged, uh, I think one day because they needed somebody to do something. I said, all right, I'll do it. So I just, you know, did some traffic on the air or recorded weather. And eventually I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm going to anchor this because I want to do it. I recorded packages, you know, timelines have become so blurred in that whole new WRHU sphere. It feels like everything happened at once. Mm. It was, you know, just three years of wonderful. Mm. <laughs> But I'm sure that gave you more opportunity to work with Ed. It did, uh, especially when if you were anchoring, you would, you know, do a readover with him and, you know, he would help you mark up your copy. We have definitely killed hundreds of trees mm. writing copy. So we had it printed on paper. I hope students today now do it on a tablet or computer, but we definitely uh, wiped out a rainforest with the amount of copy paper we used to read. And I think Ed had a copy and the two anchors had a copy. So we destroyed, we destroyed the Amazon together, but we did it in the name of the news. Well, that is very important. And hopefully the paper got recycled. We'll just, we'll just tell ourselves that happened. Yes. <laughs> so you talked a little bit about Bruce and about Ed and John. Who else was around in your early days that helped you get settled, whether on the air or at the station generally? Um, well, Kathleen Reddington was the station manager when I, when I started. And she was kind of just a very – she had a presence that made you feel like everything's going to be okay. Hmm. She kind of steered the ship, but also – the uh, the whole student body at the time of my tenure at RHU really just calmed each other down, even during the craziest of times. We were frantic energy, yet somehow calm. Um, everybody kind of sticks out in their own way, um, for better or for worse. That's really interesting that there's so much energy among the students, but you're also putting out a, a professional level product. And I wonder how much of that comes from Kathleen and Ed and Bruce and John uh, providing sort of structure and framework for everything to, to work. Yeah. So as you know, Kathleen graduated, so we had our next um, station director 
And each one really brought their own sense of leadership to the to the station. So it it shifted depending upon the station manager. Uh, one of my best friends, Jen Cephalou, was station manager. And the vibe there was news, do your thing. Music, do your thing. Sports, do your thing. It was very organized into categories, but people intermingled the categories. But a lot of our time during that was spent in John Mullen's office, just talking nonsense. I think that was under <laughs> some leaderships. We just love to run things by John Mullen to see, hey, can this work? Hmm. That's great to have a sounding board like that to get feedback. Yeah. Um, so it, would it be fair to say that you felt comfortable socially at the station right away? It seems like you made some re- pretty good connections. Immediately. you've I found my little niche group and we're still friends today, most of us. <laughs> I, it was our little group was tight knit and we spanned sports and music and news and all was able to work together to produce great things, or at least great as we thought it was, but it was probably pretty great. I'm, I'm sure it was. Um, so speaking of, of achieving that, that level, you talked about being a little nervous and unsure at first getting on the air and, and behind the board. Was there a point in time where you started to feel comfortable, uh, whether it's doing Newsline or the music stuff, that you felt, okay, I really know what I'm doing here. I feel, I feel like I want to pursue this more. Yeah, it really got when um, I was getting more of a hand at doing the music and I applied to be a producer of the show Uncharted Territory, which was like emerging hits mixed with some current hits. Uh, And I got in and I also got into music mixing by then. Once I got into doing Uncharted Territory, got my got my bearings on that that's when I said this is what I want to pursue more um so maybe a couple months in uh after completing the training class and going through the exam you know once you figure out what's going on on the board the rest kind of came for me at least yeah, that makes sense. Once you uh, once you find what works for you, and then you go into that. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about the the music program, Uncharted Territory? When was it on, and and how long was it on? Uh, like, you know, was it one hour, two hours? Yeah, Uncharted Territory was Monday to Friday from nine a.m. to eleven a.m., and it was you know new artists or emerging artists, and then we also threw in some top forty in there just for variety. Mm-hmm. I do remember actually every time somebody was on air, we would get a call on the request line for somebody from somebody to play Adele's Chasing Pavements. And we would go to ourselves, who the heck is this Adele person? Oh, my. And well, now everybody knows who Adele is. <laughs> but we're just like, who is this? Why are we playing it? But somebody wants to listen to it. Okay. So you never know who's going to become a pop sensation after listening to Uncharted Territory. Wow. And and the person who was aware of that before the radio station was, that that, that person was, was dialed in. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I ever learned their name, 
but they just wanted to hear that song. And so whoever you are, you, you, you were right on trend. <laughs> um, that must have been a fun experience, uh, I guess, working with other people and, and listening to different things and, and sort of taking a, a, a gamble on what would be the next big thing or the next hot trend. Yeah, and that was so much fun to do. But also, once I became a producer of the show, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to have a little more fun with this. So even though they were all established hits, I said, let's do a 90s throwback show just for funsies. Mm. So I compiled a whole bunch of 90s music. And at some point, we were in the studio just doing the Macarena. (laughs) Because who doesn't do the Macarena at 930 in the morning on a school day? Hmm. I'm 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 having flashbacks to one of my commercial radio jobs, and that song was on an awful lot. So uh, <laughs> it's bringing back a lot of memories all of a sudden. <laughs> oh wow, that must have been a lot of fun. Yeah. So so you're spending time with Newsline. You're spending time on uncharted territory, and you stuck with journalism as a major, or did you switch uh, more towards audio uh, engineering? I stuck with journalism as a major, but I knew I wanted radio as well. And at that time in the School of Communications, you couldn't have a communications major and a communications minor, but you could have a double minor. So I decided to major in broadcast journalism. Then I chose a double minor. I had to get signed off on that. So I was was able to do audio, radio, and then history. So I had to have two minors in order to do both things. So I did it because when back then you're just 20, 21 with unending energy. So you go, let's have a major and two minors. <laughs> so if you could go back in time to when you first joined the station, when you first went in for that interview, what did you hope the radio station would be at that time? And what did it become? I didn't know what it would be for me. I came in just this kid who decided they wanted to do it because their boyfriend said, you know, really into radio, radio into audio. Um, so I wanted to do something almost kind of to impress him, but also that I, it piqued my interest. Hmm. So it was just something to do. Didn't really have much expectation. Then I wound up falling in love with just the people there and creating a product or projects, you know, going alone in the studio and seeing what I can do, how I can morph sound into something. How can I build a better newsline package? How can I create new intros and outros? It became just something I constantly thought about. I love how you said that you you fell in love with with the station and the people there. I mean, the the boy, whatever, goodbye for him. But uh, I think a lot of people can second that that feeling of, yeah, I really love this place and I love the community and it'll always be part of me. Yeah, and it's I didn't have I didn't know where I was fitting in in college. I had a couple of friends, but nothing you know real actually the friends I have are lifelong friends, Mm. but I didn't really have much of a social outlet beyond, you know, going to dizzy lizards or (laughs) anything like that. So this was something to do that was productive and free rather than paying entry to dizzy lizard. And, and it sounds like you spent an awful lot of time at the station once you got into it. 
uh, yes, between every class I, I was there. Actually, I had one journalism final that I didn't remember the time of. So I was just sitting in the office just thinking, okay, you know, it's in a couple hours, right? So the professor comes to the WRHU office, finds me and says, you know, our final is going on right now. And it's, it's like, what? Oh, no. <laughs> so I was maybe 20 something minutes late to the journalism final. But at least Professor Smith knew where to get me. Definitely. It's, I guess I guess you were known by reputation that, that you're going to be at the radio station. And uh, I guess it was probably just down the hall or up, upstairs or something yeah. like that. Yep, it was just down the hall, but I'm glad he knew where to find me because otherwise I I would have missed a whole final. Wow. And I'm sure you did well on the final. I hope I did. I mean, I graduated, <laughs> so I'm assuming I did okay. <laughs> well, this has been so much fun. Thank you for sharing your stories, and, and I really appreciate it. And I'm working on some more questions, and hopefully you have some more stories to share. We can do this again another time. Absolutely.